It's bounce back time. It's a short week. Most of the NFL has a short week. It's a division game. It's Raiders week. This Defending the Kingdom episode deals with move on to the next play. Move on to the next game. Don't let one loss lead to another. And our Defending the Kingdom podcast brought to you by Ticketmaster. 7-7 tie. Chiefs have third down and three at the Eagle four with an empty backfield momentarily. Here comes McKinnon in motion. Pass near side. Todd Kelsey. Touchdown! Kansas City. Travis Kelsey from Patrick Mahomes. And the Chiefs have a Kelsey touchdown, his 74th. Hi, everyone. I'm Mitch Holters, voice of the Chiefs, along with senior team reporter Matt McMullen. As the Kansas City Chiefs, it's not just any week, as we say on the Chiefs Kingdom show. It's not just any week. It's Raiders week. And a good time, I think, to have Raiders week, not to put up bulletin board material for the Raiders, but the fact to refocus this Chiefs team, mouthwash the Eagles, and try to get back on the winning column. I think this is one of the hardest things to do in all of sports, but it's also the beauty of sports. You have a very difficult loss on Monday night, a game that the Chiefs had. It was right there. You end up losing. feel like you should have won. What do you do? Well, you can't dwell on it. You can't be sitting there thinking about it all day. You have to see what happened, accept it, learn from it, and move on and be better because of it. And the Chiefs have been the best in the business of doing that in recent years. We talk a lot about how – You know, Patrick Mahomes, two-time league MVP, the Super Bowls, all the wins. That's all true, but the true hallmark of a great team is how do you bounce back after a really difficult loss? And we've seen it twice already this season where the Chiefs had a loss. They won the following week. And in Patrick Mahomes' career, he's 15-3 and following a loss. In my opinion, that's the mark of a champion. Got to get back on track here. And fortunately, we have the mentality here in this building to do it. Who better to do it against? Than the Raiders. Did you play baseball? I sure did, yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, full disclosure here, this is a traumatic moment for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, good baseball team. We were good, but I'm an underclassman playing for a game to go to the state, and we got two seniors who are really good, and uh, boot a ball, right? Dude hits a, hits a shot, but I boot it. So now I'm thinking, I got to get the next one, right? But in my mind, I'm thinking, God, I hope this guy, the four-hole hitter, doesn't come up and rip one. He rips one right at me. I boot it again. Yeah. So now you're thinking, okay, now I'm going to try real hard to do something, like, stupid. So I try to go do more than I should do, another error. And then I get pulled from the game. It wasn't that long ago. One of those seniors, it was at Pooch's in Smith Center. Okay. He goes, dude, if you just f- fielded one of those. So the reason I give you this traumatic moment for me, and actually I've gone back to that field like six times and stood in that spot. Yeah, you just just go there and you just think about it. But then I think, too, about hitting a three-run triple uh, to win a state championship uh, and then having the last put out and can still see that image in my mind. So you balance all that out. Why am I giving you this other than me being in therapy right now (laughs) is the fact you cannot let one bad play lead to the next. Yeah. The greatest players in the NFL, the greatest teams in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes is right there, cannot let a play or a game affect the next play or the next game. The great ones have the ability to do that. And that's with everyone in life, like in your own job. If you have a bad day at work or if you mess up an assignment, if you allow yourself to think too much about it, to put too much pressure on yourself or to dwell on it, and live in the past, you're not going to get better, and it's going to snowball and create further problems. And that happens all the time in the NFL. Uh, Around the league, fortunately, really doesn't happen to the Chiefs much at all. 
but it is a moment here that you have to make sure you handle it correctly. And that's why we're lucky we have the coaches that we do and the leaders that we do because these are tipping points in seasons. Right now for the Chiefs, everything is still ahead of them. I mean, if you look at the standings, everything is right there. They're 7-3. and three. They're a half game behind the Ravens for the top seed in the AFC. But all things being equal, the Chiefs have the tiebreaker over the Ravens. The Ravens have three conference losses. The Chiefs only have one. Look at the teams the Chiefs are tied with right now at 7-3. and three. The Jags. We beat the Jags. Got the head-to-head tiebreaker over them. Same deal with the Dolphins. Everything's right there for the Chiefs to still have all their playoff goals realized. But you have to make sure you take care of business. Can't take the Raiders lightly just because they're five and six. Have to make sure you learn from what happened against the Eagles, as difficult as it may be. You flush it and you move on and you get a victory in Las Vegas. And the AFC right now kind of looks like a wordle puzzle. Yeah. You got all these letters and and columns and rows, and you're thinking, man, how's this going to? I mean, it's going to be very interesting seven weeks here uh, to what happens. But the Chiefs are there. You just laid it out. So it's not like the Chiefs are three and seven or gasping at the bottom of that wordle puzzle. They're still at or near the top. So just hang in there. But to refocus against the uh, Raiders is imperative. Now, next play, next game, move on. But moving on also means we jump into Matt's satellite and we take a trip <laughs> around the earth. I'm going to mention a guy. I think it's Jim Slayton. Was that a baseball pitcher or Jim Staten? Anyway, he's a DTK defender, every podcast. He lives in South Carolina and uh, seems like a good dude. I don't know, but he's like, man, I'm on every word you guys say. So <laughs> a shout-out. I don't know if he's a Gamecock or a Clemson Tiger or where his allegiances are. Maybe he's a Citadel Bulldog. Who knows? But he lives in South Carolina and listens to the podcast, so a shout-out to Jim. Now, we'll take Jim in the satellite <laughs> and go around the earth. So just a few for me today. First of all, before I get started, shout-out to everyone that went to Thomastown and saw our first-ever live DTK show. That was a lot of fun. I uh, had a chance to catch up with everyone uh, after the show, but really cool having a live audience for DTK. So shout out to everyone that came to that. I want to give a shout out to Susie. Susie is from Germany, uh, has been in contact with me for better part of a year now, watches all of our stuff, and made her first trip to Kansas City to watch the game on Monday against the Eagles. Obviously hoping for a better result, but had a really wonderful time. So shout out to you, Susie. Thanks for uh, always watching and listening. Uh, and then lastly, we had a chance. Uh, you had already met her. I met her for the first time. We met Trent McDuffie's mom last night awesome. after the game. Amazing woman, listens to DTK. Uh, you raised an amazing son. We told you that after the game. Uh, so shout out to you as well. Absolutely. And uh, was, that's not Susie Bling Bling, right? The cookie lady? From, no. No, she's from Savannah. She's not. No, Susie, this, this Susie is from Germany and big yeah. Chiefs fan. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. And love meeting all the German fans when we were in Frankfurt. Uh, but now it's uh, Thanksgiving weekend, so we're very thankful, of course, being a part of the Chiefs kingdom for our friends and family. But now we got to focus on the Raiders. And this is a team um, with Antonio Pierce taking over as interim head coach. That, to me, has provided real energy for a Raiders team that seemed kind of listless. But now they have purpose, especially on defense, and so the Chiefs have to take care of business, especially against this Raider defense. I would love to see a study on this about how teams that are having pretty rough seasons respond when they hire an interim coach and they have newfound energy. Uh, I bet it's a pretty good result uh, if we did that study. 
And these Raiders are a great example of that. I mean, Antonio Pierce has that team fighting. I mean, they're five and six right now, trying to get back to 500, trying to get in the thick of the playoff race. But more than anything, they have the look of a team that's fighting for their head coach. They want to win. They want to play well for Antonio Pierce. And Pierce, of course, had a great NFL career. He was on that 07 Giants team that beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Spags was, of course, the defensive coordinator for that team. Uh, he seems like a guy who's really rallied this team around him and rallied them together. And for me, looking at the Raiders, you kind of have to throw out all of their stats and numbers from the first eight weeks of the season. Really, when he became the coach in week nine, that's when things kind of turned around for them and their numbers overall look a lot different, particularly defensively. Steve Spagnolo. it was earlier this season and I was talking to Spags about Nick Bolton. And we talked about a comp for Nick Bolton and Spags goes Antonio Pierce. And then Spags went into a little bit of a dissertation about how much Antonio Pierce had an impact on that 07 team. And then I had a chance to talk with Spags about Antonio Pierce taking over the Raiders as the interim head coach. And I asked him about it, and Spags had a very interesting response. Your thoughts on Antonio Pierce, what he meant to you as a player, and now to see him as an interim head coach in the NFL. Yeah, this does not surprise me, uh, knowing Antonio as long as I have. He was a coach when he was a player. Um, I bounced things off him all the time. He grinded tape. He saw things. He saw big picture things. The one thing that I always loved about Antonio, is he, and he's showing that now as a head coach, is he was able to talk and communicate and relate to all the rooms, the D-line room. The, he was a linebacker, so the linebacker room, the DB room. He'd go over to the offensive line, but he was that kind of guy. He was a dynamic personality. It doesn't surprise me that he's got a team that's rallying around him and enjoy playing for him. He loves the game. And, and yet, with all that, you know, you can call him a player's coach if you want, but he's a, he's a disciplined guy, and a rule is a rule, and he's going to set people straight, and I think people respect him for that. So there you have it. This is not surprising Steve Spagnuolo at all. The fact that Antonio Pierce was the guy that would watch extra video. He's the guy that would have an impact on the offense as much as defense. Very similar to what we have on this Chiefs roster. And now he has his own team. He kind of like stumbled into it. But he's got this defense with some really good players, again, that the Chiefs offense has got to be on their A game to deal with. And it makes sense. We think a lot about how former quarterbacks make great offensive coaches. Well, former linebackers make great defensive coaches because the linebackers are the quarterback of the entire defense. And when you're the quarterback of the defense, you have to understand the offense as if you're an offensive player. So it's not a surprise to me that Antonio Pierce has been so successful already. And the players respond to him. That's the obvious thing. And it's not like the Raiders have been lighting up the scoreboard or these games have been you know, full of highlights, but his guys just grind and fight. And even last week against the Dolphins, the Raiders were right in that game. I mean, they had the lead for much of the game. They had opportunities at the end to tie the game uh, against Miami, one of the best teams in the NFL in Miami. So this Raiders team kind of has newfound life again, kind of throw out what happened with them early in the season, because this is a much different team than what we saw weeks one through eight. They're fifth in the league, the Raiders are, in points allowed over the last eight games. So that gets your attention. But my thesis on my minute with Mitch this week was the fact that the league now has become, because of the way the defenses are playing, a league of seven yards to 15 yards for the offense to attack. How can, it, how can you attack that consistently? Hang on to the ball, get yards after catch, right? When the Chiefs are moving the ball and been effective, Rashi Rice comes to mind, Kels comes to mind. But one of the reasons the Chiefs' defense has been so good 
is they are winning those battles defensively in that 7-15 to 15 yard no man's land. Why? Leo Chanel's playing at a high level. Drew Tranquil's playing at a high level. Willie, K, Willie Gay Jr. is playing at a high level. When Bolt's out there, he's playing at a high level. People say the linebacker is a dinosaur. Not so much, not in this day and age, particularly the linebackers that you have. The reason I say that, the Raiders linebackers are playing like the Chiefs linebackers. Robert Spillane has three picks. This is a team that has 10 interceptions, the Raiders, from six different guys. Their leading interceptor is a linebacker. And then you got Devon Diablo, the former uh, Virginia Tech Hokie. He's playing the best football of his career. And to me, it's rallying around Antonio Pierce because he's an awesome mentor who was a great linebacker that won a Super Bowl. Does Divine Diablo not sound like a name that would be like in the replacements or something? Like a fake name? <laughs> or some Old West movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's an Divine Diablo. incredible name, uh, particularly for an athlete. Slow-moving fan. He's playing cars <laughs> yeah. with some you know, old guy in the corner. Are you a Divine Diablo? Yeah. So, yeah, he's uh, playing good ball. And, of course, he's a Raider, right? Divine Diablo. But, yeah, he is playing good ball. This defense really at all three levels. Outside of Max Crosby, there aren't a lot of players on this Raiders defense that are like household names, but they're all kind of working together at all three levels, and it's working over the last handful of weeks when uh, Antonio Pierce took over. And what's kind of interesting, if you look at the, the stats overall for the Raiders defensively, they're middle of the pack in a lot of them, or like bottom third in a lot of them. Like in third down, they're 26th in the NFL. Red zone, they're 25th. Uh, they're 21st in yards allowed per game, but despite all of that, they're 13th in points allowed. So what does that tell you? They're just finding ways to keep teams out of the end zone. It's not just one thing. They've just been pretty successful. And 13th overall, you know, it's it's close to right of the middle of the league, but compared to last year, that's a big leap for them. This defense really struggled last year. They're playing a lot better football this season, and particularly right now. It really all begins with Max Crosby, though. I mean, what a monster this guy is 10 and a half sacks already this season leads the NFL with 63 pressures. You got to know where Max Crosby is at all times. And for the most part, the Chiefs have found success against Max Crosby. Uh, a couple years ago, I remember the game plan was just brilliant. It used his aggressive nature against him. A lot of screens, a lot of quick little out routes, uh, where he thinks he has Patrick Mahomes in the grasp, then all of a sudden Travis Kelsey on a tight end screen or Jerick McKinnon or whoever is wide open a couple yards down the field gets a big gain. I think that kind of approach could work against this Raiders defense, but you got to know where Max Crosby is at all times. Yeah, he's not falling for that anymore. He's, <laughs> I don't uh, think he's so. A, he's an old grizzled veteran who's like, I see what you're trying to do here. For the Chiefs, it's a really interesting – you and I – during a game, there's a thousand things that can happen during a game that leads to the uh, eventual win or loss. And sometimes we'll almost always we'll chart first down. That was like the most important thing against the Eagles. For this game, I'm going to really look at the Chiefs' first possession and second possession of the third quarters. For five consecutive weeks, the Chiefs have either had a chance to blow somebody out and basically try to pin them, giving a wrestling term uh, in the second period, and then let them up. And those are the two possessions that, for a consistent five weeks, come jumping off the surface. And look at the last two weeks in particular, the Eagles and the Dolphins game. Both times, the Chiefs defense was playing exceptionally well. They had double-digit leads going into the third quarter, and they had an opportunity with the ball to do what you're saying, to go for that knockout punch. They couldn't do it. And we saw kind of both ends of the spectrum what can happen. If you allow good teams to hang around, no matter how well the defense is playing, 
you know that good team is going to probably find a way to get back into it because they still have hope. They still think they can do it, and they can still run their game plan. Now, fortunately, against Miami, Dolphins couldn't get it done, and the Chiefs found a way in the end. But unfortunately, against Philadelphia, you allow them to hang around, and yeah, you're up 10 points in the third quarter, but Philadelphia has the number three scoring offense in the NFL. They're a team that knows how to win football games, much like the Chiefs do. And they found a way in the end. you got to give them credit. But you're right. I mean, the Chiefs had an opportunity there to go up 17 points on Philadelphia. And at that point, Philly has to kind of abandon their game plan because there's not enough time left. But if it's only a 10-point deficit and they have the ball, it's still very well within uh, the scope of them running their game plan and getting back into it. And, I mean, that's what happened to the Chiefs on Monday. And just like we talked about earlier, you just got to learn from that. You got to pinpoint what's going wrong early in the third quarter, what's going wrong in the second half, and try to correct it. And if you keep going back, they could have gone up 28 on the Dolphins. They could have gone up and taken the lead in the loss at Denver. They could have gone up 21 on the Chargers. They could have gone up three scores on the Broncos. That's a five-week period where it all goes back to that spot, and you just laid it out so very eloquently. Now, let's just look at this Raider offense a bit. Aiden O'Connell is the guy. So George Karloftis is your key here. He, If you're going to beat a Purdue quarterback, you get a Purdue defensive end, right? Is it either boiler up or boiler down? Indiana Hoosier fans like to say boiler down. Purdue fans love to say boiler up. Let's hope it's Karloftis boiler up and Aiden O'Connell boiler down. But his 46-yard pass to Devontae Adams gets your attention. This is a tough kid. I watched him play at Purdue. Um, you you got to knock him out to beat him. He's, he's a tough dude. How about Cam Jones getting a sack on Aiden O'Connell this weekend? Ooh, a little old Oaken Bucket. You know, yeah. they're playing this week. This is the week. It's rivalry week. Yeah. You're right. That's Indiana perfect. Indiana-Purdue for the old Oaken Bucket. So yeah, there we go. I want Cam Jones to sack Aiden <laughs> or Karloftis and take it. Oh, no, we want, we want the Indiana guy doing it, right? So you can take an old Oaken Bucket <laughs> and put it over his head. Would that be a 15-yard penalty? Uh, maybe, maybe okay. during the game. Let's maybe don't, don't do that. Do that. Maybe <laughs> metaphorically afterward. <laughs> metaphorically. That would be key because you're going to get a fine probably if you do it after the game. But for you <laughs> IU fans, let's hope uh, Cam Jones uh, gets Aiden O'Connell. But I want to ask you about Josh Jacobs. 200 rushes. That's 25 more than the next closest guy, which is Christian McCaffrey or Travis Etienne of Jacksonville. Touches. 231 touches. He has almost half of their advancements. This is still about the old Tulsa native, Josh Jacobs. And kind of a weird season for him so far. So you said he's touching the ball a lot, leads the NFL in rushing this season in terms of rushes, in terms of attempts. But he's only averaging 3.31 yards per carry this year. Really strange for a player like Josh Jacobs. He's topped 100 yards rushing just one time, did that a couple of weeks ago. So not having his best season, but we still know what Josh Jacobs can do. And talking about Aiden O'Connell, when you have a young rookie quarterback, how do you help that quarterback? You give your running back, your guy that uh, is one of the better running backs in the league, give him the ball and allow Aiden O'Connell to have that opportunity for play action, taking some of the pressure off of him. Even though Josh Jacobs is not putting up crazy numbers this year, still has to be the top priority for the Chiefs defense to make sure they slow him down, don't let him get going. And the good news for Kansas City is last week against Philadelphia, who runs the ball as well as anybody, they really contained those runners for much of the game. They were really good. They Chiefs actually outgained Philadelphia rushing-wise, I think, by double in the first half last week. So those are good signs. Got to make sure you stop Josh Jacobs because Aiden O'Connell – as a rookie, has started the last three games for the Raiders. Two touchdowns, four interceptions, a passer rating under 70. He's a rookie, okay? He's young. 
He'll make mistakes. But you're right. A great pass to Devontae Adams uh, for a touchdown last week against Miami. He can make plays. And how do you put your quarterback in a position to make plays like that? You run the football effectively. So the key to stopping Aiden O'Connell, I believe, is stopping Josh Jacobs. And the Raiders are and, – and by the way, Aiden O'Connell was the first Raiders rookie quarterback to win his first two starts in Raider wow. history. So it's a pretty good list of guys, I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, and then their special teams. I was talking to Dave Tobe earlier this week. They're rated number one in the league overall. And you look at the year the punter's having, Cole. You look at uh, Carlson makes every kick. Their coverage units are awesome. So special teams for the Chiefs are going to have to be on their A game. Absolutely. And I, th I think if you look at the Philadelphia game, there's a couple of moments on special teams there where – Field position swings made a big difference in the end. It's a great opportunity for the Chiefs special teams unit to make some plays against these Raiders. And think about the last time we were there in Las Vegas, a big, big victory for Kansas City. Kind of felt like there was knockout blows given in the first half, right? Well, you can deal those on special teams. And when you're facing a team in the Raiders who's playing really hard for their head coach, how do you get that team's morale down Force a fumble on special teams. Have a kickoff return for a touchdown. Things like that. All of a sudden, the Raiders are playing from far behind. The offense for the Chiefs gets confidence as well. Those would be some great things to see, I think. Some big-time special teams plays here in, here in this game against the Raiders. It's indoor. We're not playing outside in the rain like we were uh, against the Eagles on Monday night. Great opportunity for our special teams to go out and have a great game. So if you're on the infield and you boot one, don't fear the next one. Go attack it. Get it. And maybe you boot two or three, but you come back and learn from your lesson, go and hit the ball right at me, and you go on to win state. Take on the next play and the next game. The teams that win in the NFL consistently do exactly that.